Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions. I'm Pastor Summerall, the pastor of the Cathedral of Praise, and thank you for the privilege of allowing me to sit down and open in your heart to me as I open my heart to you and we, we share the scriptures together. Now, we heard some good announcements the other night. In just a little while, we'll talk a little bit more about opening services again. But in order to open services again, even at 30% capacity, some of you are going to have to deal with your fear because you do belong in God's house. So let's remember the promises of God. Psalms chapter 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear. Did you hear that? You will not fear. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand will fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him, because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, I've talked with you a lot over the last six months about prudence, that with faith we add prudence, that we are not foolish people. We do not walk in presumption, we walk in faith, and faith has an element of prudence. We've, we've talked together about Satan quoting Psalms 91 to Jesus and wanting Jesus to jump off the pinnacle of a temple, and Jesus says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. That's presumption. But at the same time, I talked to you a lot about prudence, now I need to talk to you a little bit about faith. Brothers and sisters, yes, wear your mask. Yes, wear the shield. Yes, wash your hands with alcohol. But no, don't be afraid to leave your house. Don't be afraid to, to hug your children. Don't be afraid to, to go to work. See, the more you give in to fear, the more fear takes of you. The only way to explain it would be to say, like, fear is like a, a fast-growing cancer. Once you give it space in your life, it just keeps growing and growing and growing until you're afraid of everything. This is why I've always taught you. You just have to learn, conquer your fears. Uncle Lester used to say it this way, feed your faith and starve your doubts to death. Okay, feed your faith. Every morning we've been working on feeding your faith. Every evening working on feeding your faith. Uh, uh, the new show with Pastor Rose that we've put together on, on Jesus the Healers, feeding your faith. The kids shows, the, the, everything we're doing, the young people shows, everything we're doing is about feeding your faith. But you also have to make a choice about fear. Now many of you, there's no reason that you can't leave your home. You're under the guidelines. 
new guidelines that come out starting today, the 19th, starting today. You can leave your home, but some of you are too afraid to. You've gotten very comfortable in your nest, and God has given you a good nest. But now you're going to have to learn to conquer the fear and go out. You have to learn not to be afraid. Yes, do not walk in presumption. Yes, walk in prudence. But let's not give place to fear. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift you, your sons and daughters. You have not given us the spirit of fear, but you've given us the spirit of sonship by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Father, let fear be broken off of all of their lives. Let them understand that you are their shield and their rear guard, that you are their protector, that there is nothing in this universe that they have to be afraid of. You are with them, and you stand by them. Lord, let them not walk in foolishness, but Lord, let them walk in faith. Let them walk in an honest, prudent faith, that faithful are you who have promised. Father, in Jesus' name, let fear be off. Let them begin to see faith rising within their hearts. For some of them, Lord, they've given place to this fear. This thing has grown and consumed them. They're afraid of their own shadows now. But Lord, you can touch those hearts right now. Touch their hearts. Let them know of your love. Touch their hearts. Let them know that your presence is there with them. Father, that's where faith comes from, knowing you. Let them have an encounter with you and let this fear be broken off of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's open up our hearts now and spend some time in worship.
Our New Testament passage today picks up in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. Paul said, am I not free? Wow. Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen the Lord, seen Jesus our Lord? Okay. Now, folks, <laughs> Paul says, um, remember three truths about me. See, he's got all these people claiming to be super apostles and the patronage system is kicking in strong where people have identified with a leader rather than identified with Christ and the body of Christ. And, and Paul comes along and says, now, now, wait a minute, excuse me here. Am I not free? I'm not a slave. You're free, man. Okay, you you received your freedom, you know, a couple of generations ago, and you 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 are free, man. You're not slaves. Wonderful, your ancestors were slaves, but hey, am I also not free? He said, "Am I not an apostle? Is not the call of God upon my life?" He said, "Have I not seen Jesus our Lord first on the road to Damascus, and then for three years in Arabia?" where Jesus taught him by direct revelation the gospel? He said, and number four, and mo maybe most importantly, are you not my workmanship in the Lord? So Paul looked at these people and said, hey, you're the workmanship of my ministry. He said, look at, look at your life. Now you, you look down your nose at me because of these super apostles and all that they're saying, but he said, excuse me, you are not their workmanship. They didn't teach you. They didn't guide you. They didn't bring you to this point in your life. You're my workmanship. He said, if to others I am not an apostle, he said, at least I am to you. He said, sure, they, they can disrespect me. I've never been a pastor to them. I've, I've never walked in an office of ministry in their life. I've never been responsible to their life. But he said, for you, I've been the apostle. I've been the spiritual leader of your life. He said, you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. He said, you're the proof. He said, you're the proof. Oh, my pencil's not working again. You're the proof. You know, the computer at the office never has this problem. You're the proof of my apostleship. He said, you're the proof of it. He said, so, you know, look at your life. You see the changes that have happened in your life the healings that have happened in your life. He said, you're the proof of my apostleship in the Lord. He said, this is my defense to those who would examine me. All right, so people sitting in judgment. Now, one of the things I always try to teach young pastors is there's always going to be somebody who sits in judgment on us as pastors. I mean, that's just, that's just the reality of the ministry. There's always somebody who thinks that they have the right to sit in judgment on us as pastors. And Paul says, that's my defense. I'm free. I'm an apostle. I've seen Jesus. These people are the workmanship. These people are the seal of my apostleship, the proof of my apostleship. Now he continues. Now he begins to talk about rights. Now up here, he's talked about office. Now he begins to talk about rights the rights of the ministry. And you know what? There are rights that pastors have. There are rights that those called to the full-time ministry have. He said, do we not have a right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife? 
as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas. All right. Paul says we have the right to food and drink. Secondly, he says I have the right to marriage. And now notice, he says, the other apostles are married. The brothers of Jesus are married. Cephas, Peter, is married. Now, now brothers and sisters, preachers have a right to get married. You know, even to this day, did you know there are people that when they first get saved, sometimes say, what is it like for a pastor to have a wife? <laughs> I said, well, what is it like for you to have a wife? Same thing. He said, or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? All right, so in the ministry, they have the right to no secular job, to refrain from working for a living. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Who tends a flock without getting some of its milk? He said, all right, we have a, a right to support. Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox as it tread out the grain. Is it the oxen that God is concerned? Does he not speak entirely for our sake? It is written for our sake, because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher should thresh in the hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much for us to reap a material material things from you? Again, so we have a right a material harvest. Now we, we don't exploit this and go around and ask people for money. I taught you the Bible, okay, pay me money. Uh, no, no, we don't do that. That's not what we're talking about. This is the right of support. Now. At COP, we're great. But for some of you who are listening that are part of other churches and your pastor cannot feed his family, while many of you drive cars and have a very good living, I would ask you, are you really honoring God with your tithe? See, if you bring the tithe into the storehouse, that's where God provides for the pastors from. They have this right to a support. But we're getting into a world today where there's, there's different kinds of churches. I admit there are churches where the pastors exploit the congregation. I admit it. But that's kind of rare and far, okay? But for the most part, especially in the provinces, we see many of the churches where church members live quite well, but because they refuse to tithe and so see, especially the tithing, the pastors, they have no support. They, they, can't, they can't continue in the ministry because they cannot eat. Just like in the Old Testament where we read you in devotions where, where the Levites had to go back to the fields because the people wouldn't honor God with the tithe. He said, no, no, Paul said, no, wait a minute. This, this, this should not be happening, okay? Yes, and then there are these new modern churches where everybody is rich and they think the pastor shouldn't receive anything and the pastor should be like the janitor in the church or the pastor should have his own source of income before he goes into the ministry. And Paul said, no, no, listen, let's, let's just get away from this. 
He said, if others share this rightful claim on you, and the super apostles did, you have to understand these, these super apostles were not shy in demanding money from people. Do we not even more? Nevertheless, now here's, here's Paul's big statement. Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, and we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. So Paul said, you know, we did not accept it. And the reason Paul did not accept it, though he accepted it every place else, the reason he did not accept it is when he first went there, he was very poor, and people looked down their nose at him, and everybody began to get proud and arrogant, and they've got this patronage system where the patronists expected to be quite wealthy and prosperous. And Paul just said, you know what, I'm not going to buy into this whole patronage system you've got. So you know what, I'll just struggle, okay, I'll, I'll just, I'll keep making my tents while I'm here, and I'll keep robbing the churches of Macedonia uh, to support me so that I can give myself full time to ministering to you. He said, I'm going to do this, not because it's the right thing to do. I'm going to do this because it's what I need to do in order to reach you, because of your arrogance about money and your arrogance about the patronage system. He said, do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. Now, this is a command of Jesus. Now, do we have a record of this command? Well, we've got quite a few allusions to it. But it seems that later, while Paul was in the deserts of Arabia, Jesus came just straight out and taught it to him. He said, this is how you're going to survive, Paul. In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. Pastors should not have secular employment. He said, but I have not made use of any of these rights. He said, I have not made use of any of these rights. Wow. Let's just double highlight that. Nor am I writing these things to secure any provision. <laughs> he said, I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. He said, all right. The super apostles demanded. And you're going to see later, Paul said, I acted this way to pull the rug out from under them. I, I acted this way to expose their greed. He said, I'd rather die than have anyone deprive me of this ground for boasting. I like Paul. You know, there are times that I go into preach places and don't receive anything. In fact, most times these days, I don't receive anything. And people say, Pastor Summerall, we want to give this to you. I said, you know what? No. God's been good to me. No. Now, there was a time in my life I couldn't do that. But I'm in a season of my life, like where Paul is, you know what? I'd rather die than anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. It's it's just so nice. I can go to the branch churches and preach for them, and there is no offering for me. No, we're, we're not even thinking about that. Why? Hey, this is a beautiful thing. Do I have a right to an offering? Yes. Will I accept an offering? No. So Paul said there are times when we do not make use of these rights. We just, we just don't use them. He said, for if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. He said, he said, hey, I preach the gospel because it's a necessity for me. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. 
He said, but if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But not of my will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. He said, Paul said, listen, I preach because commanded. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. He said, this is my right. He said, Paul, Paul said, this is my right. He said, I won't use it. Now, nobody has the right to take that away from somebody. It's their right. You have no right to come and say, no, we're not going to bless you. You have no right to do that. But a pastor has the right to say, no, I'm not going to exercise my rights. Just like during the, the first three months of all of this thing. Sister Bev and I didn't receive anything for three months. And we were working day and night, 18 hours a day. And the other pastors got paid. The other staff got paid. We said, no, no, we're not, we're not going to receive anything. We're not going to use our rights. People came and said, no, no, pastor, you need this. I said, no, no, God's taking care of us. We're not going to use our rights. See, there are times we choose to lay down those rights. And every pastor, every good pastor, every good evangelist, every good apostle, every good prophet knows that there are times we lay down those rights. Paul said, though I'm free of all, I've made myself a servant of all. Why? That I might win more of them. So Paul said, you know, there are times I, I lay down all of my rights and I become a slave to people. Why? So that I can get them saved. He said, to the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. Now, you want to understand Acts 21, why Paul went ahead and, and took the, uh, the requirement that James placed on him to go and pay the, uh, the vows of these men and go and do the temple and do, go through all that ceremony. He said, you know, sometimes uh, to those under the law, I act like somebody under the law, though I'm not under the law, that I might win those under the law. Now, notice there's a difference between Jews and people under the law. There are many Jews in those days that did not practice the law. Okay, so Paul said, sometimes I just act like Jewish culture, that I can win them. Sometimes, you know what, I'm not under the law, but sometimes as an act of my own will, I will do the things the law requires, even though I'm not under it, that I might win those under the law. He said to those outside the law, I become like one outside the law, not being outside the law, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. So he said, you know, I'm just as happy with the Gentiles. I'm just as happy with the Jew. I'm just as happy with the person under the law. I can be all things to all men so that I might win one. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I may save some. This is the purpose of Paul's life. He said, you know what, I'm not trying to push myself, and I'm not trying to demand my own rights. He said, what I really want to do is get people saved. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them its blessings. Paul said, you know what, I sacrifice everything. I'll do anything. Literally, Paul would say, I will do anything that I might share with them the blessings of the gospel. What incredible truth. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. Yeah. Now it was told that the holy healer was 
Before we get into our Old Testament passage, we need to deal with this weekend. Now, things have been changing. First is 30%, then it's 10%, but we can adapt. Also, the uh, 8 p.m. curfew of Manila has been lifted. So, what we are planning to do at this point in time, we'll let you know things have changed. Uh, we will begin again with Friday night at 7 o'clock. Uh, that will, service will run about an hour and 15 minutes. We'll run just a little bit longer. Uh, we will do Saturday morning drive-in at South Campus at 7.30 a.m. We will do Saturday night. I will be preaching at Main Campus. It will be carried live at all the campuses. We, and then we will do Sunday morning 7, 10, 12.30, and 3 o'clock. All right, so we're back to that just like we had it set up before. Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday, 7.30, 10, 12.30, and three and then we'll have drive-in services on saturday morning at south campus and really 
all of the services on Saturday night and Sunday. There will also be a drive-in component. If you wish to drive in, leave the seniors in the car. Uh, family can go in, leave the seniors in the car. We'll have them tuned in. And they can also be a part of the service. Now, brothers and sisters, it's time. It's time for you to focus on God. It's time to be in the house of God. Now, starting later on tonight, I'll be talking to you, and I posted on the Facebook page today, I'll be talking to you about how do you go to church safely? Because there are some churches, they take off their face masks to sing, and they do all the socializing and eating afterwards. We're going to be a little strict on how we do things. Face mask, face shields, the alcohol, the contact tracing. We're going to say, you know what? You come to church to be with God. Maybe this is a good thing we're learning. We don't come to church for our friends. We come to church to be with God. So let's be in God's house to be with God. And then after we finish the service, we go home. We'll have to just do this for a little while. Now, later on, we'll have all the hugging and all the fellowship and all the, uh, you know, the food and the boodle fights. And we'll have all of those things. But for right now, let's just focus on getting ourselves back into God's house. All right, let's get to the Old Testament now. Our Old Testament passage today picks up in Job chapter 30, as Job continues his last final discourse about how he feels toward these guys that have had a lot of condemnation to bring into his life. So let's start. Job chapter 30, verse 1. But now they laugh at me, men who are younger than I, no respect, whose fathers I would have disdained to set with the dogs of my flock. Would that I could gain strength from their hands, men whose vigor is gone. Through want and hard hunger, they gnaw the dry ground by night in waste and desolation. They pick saltwort and leaves of bushes and the roots of the broom tree for their food. They are driven out from human company. They shout after them as after a thief. In the gullies of the torrents they must dwell, in the holes of the earth and of the rocks. Among the bushes they bray, under the nettles they huddle together. A senseless and nameless brood, they have been wiped out of the land. And now I have become their song. <laughs> I am a byword to them. He said, so Paul said, listen, to the young, I have no respect. And he said, even to the poor and lazy, poor, lazy thieves, the, the dregs of society, he said, I have no respect. They abhor me. They, the, these dregs of society, they abhor me. They, these dregs of society, keep aloof from me. They do not hesitate to spit at the sight of me. The dregs of society. Because God has loosed my cord and humbled me, they have cast off restraint in my presence. Now, wait a minute. Not God. God did not do this. The devil did this. But now I want you to notice people's response to our pain. When the devil attacks us, have you ever noticed how people respond? They cast off restraint in my presence. People who wouldn't open their mouth in front of you before. Now they just shoot their mouth off and act like they're all that. Do you remember the guy that did that to King David? As he's fleeing Jerusalem as Absalom takes over and he just came out and just, nya, 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 nya. this is what people do. And you know what? You're a wise person if you don't forget those people later. I did not say attack them. I said just don't forget. On my right hand, the rabble rise. They push away at my feet. 
They cast up against me their ways of destruction. So he said, these people kick me when I'm down. One of the things I always teach young leaders is don't forget people that kick you when you're down. Never do vengeance. Vengeance belongs to God. But when people kick you when you're down, that's a special type of a person, okay? They will, I just never let those people close to me again. Now, if they walk up and repent and ask forgiveness, yeah, we're dealing with a different subject. But th these are the rabble. Th these, are, these are mouthy, bad attitude people here. And when people kick you when you're down, you're very wise to just give those people a wide berth later in life. They break up my path. They promote my calamity. They need no one to help them. He said, man, they just, they just keep kicking me. As they're a wide breach, they come. Amid the crash, they roll on. Terrors are turned upon me. My horror is pursued as by the wind, and my prosperity has passed away like a cloud. Riches can be lost. Riches are uncertain. We just taught you that in a uh, offering thought a few weeks ago. And now my soul is poured out within me. Days of affliction have taken hold of me. The night racks my bone and the pain that gnaws me takes no rest. Now, now there, there's something that you need to learn about pain. Pain gives you no rest. Pain doesn't say, okay, it's time to go to sleep. It's going to stop hurting. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it doesn't work like that. Pain just stays there. With great force, my garment is disfigured. It binds me like a collar around my tunic. God has cast me into the mire. I have become like dust and ashes. No, God did not. I cried to you for help, but you did not answer me. I stand and you only look at me. You have turned cruel to me. The might of your hand, you persecute me. No, not God. See how Job's hurt and pain and bitterness and the condemnation that came against him changed his attitude toward God? Now, this is important when God begins to speak. You lifted me up on the wind. You make me ride on it. You toss me about as in the roar of a storm. Not God. For I know that you will bring me to death and to the house appointed for all living. No, not God. Yet, does not one in a heap of ruin stretch out his hand and in his disaster cry for help? Did not I weep for him whose day was hard? Was not my soul grieved for the needy? When I hoped for good, you know, he said, listen, I, I treated, uh, I treated people hurting well. He said, but when I hoped for good, evil came. When I waited for light, darkness came. My inward parts are in turmoil and never still. Days of affliction come to meet me. I go about darkened, but not by the sun. I stand up in the assembly and cry for help. I am a brother of jackals and a companion of ostriches. My skin turns black and falls from me. My bones burn with heat. Okay, this is the effect of the boils. and the fever. My lyre has turned to mourning and my pipe to the voice of those who weep. Chapter 31, verse 1. I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then shall I gaze at a virgin? He said, listen, no lust in my heart. Now, 
guys, that's something that you need to you need to work on. Job said, "Listen, you, you wonder why God could say he was blameless. He made a covenant with his eyes that he would not gaze upon a virgin. He wasn't a lustful man. He didn't look at pornography. What would be my portion from God above and my heritage from Almighty on high? Is not calamity for the unrighteous and disaster for the workers of iniquity?" Does he not see my ways and number all my steps? Yes, he does. If I have walked with falsehood and my foot has hastened to deceit, let me be weighed in a just balance and let God know my integrity. If my step has turned aside from the way, my step, and my heart has gone after my eyes, if any spot has stuck to my hands, then let me sow and another eat, that what grows for me be rooted out. If my heart has been enticed toward a woman and I have lain in wait at my neighbor's door, then let my wife grind for another and let others bow down on her. For that would be a heinous crime. That would be an iniquity to be punished by the judges. For that would be a fire that consumes as far as Abaddon and would burn to the root of all my increase. If I have rejected the cause of my maidservant or manservant and brought a complaint against me, what then shall I do when God rises up, when he makes an inquiry? What shall I answer him? Did not he who made me in the womb make him? And did not one fashion us in the womb? Okay. God created us. God fashioned us in the womb. Okay. If I have withheld anything that the poor desired, or have caused the eye of the widow to fail, or have eaten my morsel alone, and the fatherless have not eaten in it. Okay, not generous. If I've been not generous. For from my youth the fatherless grew up with me as with a father, and from my mother's womb I guided the widow. If I have seen anyone perish for a lack of clothing, or the needy without covering, if his body has not blessed me, if he is not warmed with the fleece of my sheep, if I raise my hand, look at all of these ifs, if I raise my hand against the fatherless because I saw my help at the gate, then let my shoulder blade fall off my shoulder. Let my arm be broken from its socket. For I was in terror of calamity from God, and I could not have faced his majesty. If I have made gold my trust or called fine gold my confidence, how often does the Bible teach us don't put any trust in the uncertainty of riches, the uncertainty of wealth, if I have rejoiced because my wealth was abundant or because my hand found much, if I have looked at the sun when it shone or the moon moving in splendor and my heart was secretly enticed and my mouth kissed my hand, this also would be an iniquity to be punished by the judges, for I would have been false to God above. If I have rejoiced at the ruin of him who hated me or exalted when evil overtook him, I have not let my mouth sin by asking for his life with a curse. If the men of my tent have not said, Who is there that has not been filled with his meat? The sojourner has lodged in the streets. I have opened my doors to the traveler. If I have concealed my transgression as others do by hiding my iniquity, because I stood in great fear of the multitude, and the contempt of families terrified me so that I kept silence and did not go outdoors, oh, that I had one to hear me. Here is my signature. Let the Almighty answer me. Oh, that I had an indictment written by my adversary. 
God is not your adversary. God had been bragging on him, remember? Surely I would carry it on my shoulder and bind it on me as a crown. I would give him an account of all my steps like a prince. I would approach him. <laughs> now, okay, now we're getting a little proud, Job. And we're going to see that proud get humbled pretty quickly here as God begins to speak. And if my land is cried out against me and its furrows have wept together, if I have eaten its yield without payment and made its owners breed their last, let thorns grow instead of wheat and foul weeds instead of barley. The words of Job are ended. Wow. Now here's Job. He constantly declares his innocence. He has gotten a little arrogant. He's gotten a little mixed up on who's causing his problems because the devil always makes it look like God's the one who's doing it, just like I taught you last weekend. But now we're going to begin to pick up and see what God has to say. But we'll get into that tomorrow. We'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock.